0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 7th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The technocratic approach to ending global poverty favored by development experts often strengthens authoritarian governments and neglects or actively undermines the preferences of poor people. William Easterly's new book, The Tyranny of Experts, explores these themes. We spoke yesterday. You call yourself a recovering expert. What does that mean?
1: Uh, it means that I used to belong myself to the tyranny of experts that uh, believe that development was something that we, the experts, technical experts, economist experts, was something we did to them, the poor people, <laughs> instead of something development uh, that development is really about poor people doing things for themselves, about seizing their own rights and solving their own problems through their own enjoyment of greater economic
0: and political rights. So you you've described a lot of what Uh, development aid does is uh, little more than social engineering packages that are developed by agencies, public and private, that also contract with uh, governments. And you you say that that just really misunderstands what poor people want and need.
1: Yeah. The the mindset is really the the – the problem here. It's uh, this very paternalistic mindset that claims to know what poor people need better than they know themselves rather than letting them kind of freely choose themselves among different technical solutions that solve their problems, which they are already doing. You know, poor mothers already go out and find antibiotics for their children. Um, This this mentality that poor people should be in charge of their own their own lives, their, uh, that they should have the rights to run their own lives. That's fundamentally antithetical to the expert mindset. Trevor
0: Burrus Now, is the expert mindset like I'm thinking back to 2008, 2009 here in the United States where it seemed that for a time there was very little debate about what actions ought to be taken in the wake of this recession And there seem to have been just a pretty big sort that if you're on the inside or you are aspiring to be close to power, the kinds of things that you're likely to call for are large spending programs, large tax cuts or both. And that that mindset is driven by the desire to be taken seriously by those in power. is that the parallel between this um, and other development?
1: You know, that, that, that is an, uh, an analogy with the kind of development expert who wants to be close to those who have power, who feels the need to work with authoritarian governments or to go along with the U.S. policy agenda when it wants a, an authoritarian government as an ally like Ethiopia and sort of praise the Ethiopian government as, uh, as both good for development and as a good ally in the war on terror and sort of go along with that agenda as something that gives a development expert a lot of access in Washington and a lot of power. But of course this is fundamentally wrong on the development side. The Ethiopian government has a long series of autocrats that have been the obstacle to development, not the solution to the development.
0: Do institutions like the World Bank, uh, IMF and others, do they do anything to stand in the way of free trade? Do they frustrate efforts at ach- achieving free trade with some of these very poor countries? Aaron
1: um, Powell You know, I think a lot more could be done and uh, in, in all the Western countries uh, and the World Bank could help advocate for this to open up markets to poor countries. Uh, but I think the f- more fundamental problem is one of ideas that the, the idea of trade. Global trade as a solution, the idea of markets as a solution, is is sort of de-emphasized, and, and not rea- we don't realize that how much poor people can solve, even with, at very low incomes, can solve technical problems by buying uh, products that, that meet their technical needs when they are private goods like soap or antibiotics or you know um, cheap other cheap medicines. Uh, we, we underestimate the ability of the market to solve uh, the problems of poverty. There is the ability of poor people to, to buy cheap technologies that really make their lives better, like s- the spread of cell phones throughout Africa is another example. And we're stuck too much in this mindset of very expensive solutions defined by, by engineering experts that come up with some expensive gadget that is offered as a solution to the problems of poor people that they, they really don't want or need. Like for example, there was a kind of ridiculous example in, in Africa that um, there was a, a device called a socket, which was a a soccer ball that if that was motorized, that if you kicked it around, it generated electricity, and then you could use it as a source of electricity to read read by or use at night after the kids had been kicking around this socket all day, and uh, the president of the, even. Uh, you know, posed with this on a visit to Africa, the President Obama uh, and on his visit to Africa and his initiative to bring electric power to Africa posed with a socket ball. And of course that's, it's, you know, it, it sounds like a great, wonderful idea. It's actually a disastrous idea, it doesn't work. It actually breaks down very quickly after it gets kicked around. Poor people don't want it, they quickly throw them away. That's the kind of example of this kind of top-down engineering mindset that fundamentally misunderstands what poor people
0: want. You also suggest that this debate between freedom and autocracy is effectively prohibited uh, at definitely high levels, and then that sort of constrains people at lower levels in some yeah, of these, these yeah. large uh, agencies. yeah yeah well, how, how do you how do you get beyond that and still understand and try to appreciate and try to to some extent deliver what people want, very poor people want who are nonetheless living in these autocratic regimes.
1: Yeah, well, that is the dilemma of places like the World Bank and the Gates Foundation and USAID and the British Department for International Development. All of them have this kind of dilemma that we, we're sort of hostages to the autocrats because we want our aid programs to operate in this country. And so they wind up actually courting the autocrats, praising the autocrats, giving the autocrats credit for development success. to maybe maybe they do that partly to, as a way to just get permission to operate in those countries but what they're doing they are also being participants in the big global debate on development and they're implying that autocrats are are the answer to development that they're fostering development like you know the the dictator of Ethiopia the dictator of Uganda that presided over over a few years of good growth and is then given credit for rapid growth by by everyone concerned it's it's they're basically con- because they are politically constrained to praise autocracy, they are biasing the whole global conversation on freedom and development in the favor of you know, autocrats as the solution to development rather than what I think is the correct view that they're the obstacle to development, they're not the solution. They have no incentive to want their economies to develop. They just want to stay in power.
0: It also seems odd that there can be a meaningful word solutions without dealing with this issue of freedom versus autocracy, yeah, like how, yeah. how do you come up with a solution or evidence-based solutions if you haven't resolved or at least h- discussed meaningfully the difference between uh, freedom and autocracy?
1: Right. That's the, the sort of technocratic illusion that the solution can be sort of politically neutral and doesn't have to consider uh, you know, the political system, whether it represses freedom. And that's just nonsense, of course. The the whole point of a free political system is that it produces permanent solutions to problems uh, because it's accountable to individuals. The, the government provides public goods that the individuals want, and they can protest if the public goods are terrible, if the infrastructure is terrible, if the power generation is terrible and the private market provides uh, private goods to solve poor people's problems when they have economic rights and they themselves can become the problem
0: solvers and earn income for themselves when they have economic rights such as land rights. We've seen over the past several decades a dramatic decline in hunger globally. How much of that can we attribute to aid to agencies that are actively working to alleviate those problems?
1: You know, aid is such a small player in the, in the overall uh, economy of the developing countries. Um, one, one metaphor I use to illustrate how small it is, if you convert the size of the economy of developing countries into feet and inches, it would be equivalent to about six feet. So think of a six foot tall adult, male or female. And then the, the same magnitude of aid converted into feet and inches would be a third of an inch. So think of a third of an inch relative to a six foot tall adult. That's how small aid is in regard to the, you know, in relation to the size of the entire economy of the developing countries. So giving a vast importance to it and kind of the overall progress that has happened in reducing poverty and reducing hunger, reducing disease, reducing mortality throughout the developing world is just, is just ludicrous. You know, it's mainly happening by globalization, the spread of technology and the spread of freedom, the spread of economic and political rights.
0: If you can point to it, where are we seeing the best progress in terms of a credible recognition that free people tend to achieve better results in terms of development?
1: Um, you know well this is it's a recognition that's emerging in all the opposition movements that exist to uh, that are opposing the autocrats you know so we've, we've mentioned Ethiopia as a case where the World Bank and Bill Gates feel compelled to praise the longtime dictator Melisanawe of Ethiopia' as getting credit for development success well there's a lot of Ethiopian dissidents who disagree they think Melisanawe was the problem, not the solution and they have, you know, risked their lives and gone to jail to try to campaign for freedom in Ethiopia. This is, you know, this is happening in many poor countries all around the world, the poor people campaigning for their, their own freedom. They get it right. They're, they're, not, they're not stuck with this paternalistic, condescending view that, uh, that poor people don't want freedom and can't use freedom.
0: William Easterly is author of The Tyranny of Experts. You can watch a forum for the book at cato.org.